Lesson from the Epistle of St. Paul to the Romans. Brethren, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who contributes in liberality, he who gives aid with zeal, he who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Never flag in zeal, be aglow with the Spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in your hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Continuation of the Holy Gospel according to John. At that time, on the third day, there was a marriage at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the marriage with his disciples. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, O oh, woman, what have you to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now six stone jars were standing there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the steward of the feast. So they took it. When the steward of the feast tasted the water had now become wine, they did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The steward of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, and when the men have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. The Saving Words of the Gospel We are at the second Sunday after Epiphany, and so we are in Epiphany time. We are in that short stretch of weeks um, between uh, Epiphany and uh, you know the Christmas cycle really kind of goes on until the Feast of the Purification on the second of uh, February, what we call Camel Mass. But um, uh, now we are in that stretch up to that leads up to pre Lent, Septuagesima, and uh, it's I think it's fitting that at this time uh, Holy Church gives us an exhortation um, about how to treat one another. Uh, one of the things that I've that I noticed over the, the many years I've been saying Mass is that is that the green Sundays, you know, we have the different cycles, you know, Advent through Christmas and Epiphany, and then we have pre-Lent and Lent and Easter, and then all the way up to Pentecost and the Easter season and so forth. So we're exploring great mysteries and what we do and 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 uh, and read revolved around the mysteries we're celebrating. But then we get into these seasons in between, what's called ordered time. Even in the Novus Ordo, you know, they call it ordinary time. But really the better word is, is ordered time. 
And it's almost as if Holy Church then starts giving us practical advice and how to live the mysteries that we celebrate in the larger cycles. And so today we have this exhortation from Paul to the Romans about how to, how to treat one another, how to live out the Christian vocation that, uh, that we claim. And it's uh, fitting that we have this on this first uh, green uh, Sunday of the new liturgical year. Now, I mentioned before that uh, there are uh, three, the, the Holy Church thought from the beginning that three great miracles or great events, three manifestations of the Lord's divinity took place on the same day. And so the Epiphany Antiphon at Vespers uh, before the Magnificat talks about these three things, saying, Hodie, 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 today, today, today. Three miracles, three great miracles uh, decorated this day. Today is the day that the Magi came with their gifts, um, manifesting the Lord's divinity and the symbolism of the gifts. Uh, today, um, the, today uh, John baptized the Lord in the Jordan, and of course, you know, the voice was heard from heaven, this is my beloved son, revealing him as divine, not just human. And then today also is the day, supposedly, that the wedding of Cana took place and the Lord changed water into wine. Now, the word day itself is supercharged, in, uh, especially in the Gospel of John. When he talks about the day or the hour, this is important language. All through John, whenever you hear the hour or the day, our antennae should go up because it refers to the moment when the Lord fulfills his mission that is in his passion and in his death. And this day and hour language is very important in John. And so today, uh, our Lord responds to the implicit request in Mary's statement, they have no wine, of course, it's it's not unusual for uh, people to make requests in the in the in the the manner of a statement. Um, making the observation is supposed to spur you to action, and that's how the Lord took it. Um, it, uh, it really, the the translation here in the RSV. Somebody asked me in chat or an email. I don't remember where what uh, version it is that I'm reading uh, here for you in these streamed masses, I usually use the RSV, the Revised Standard Version. Um, you, you have the Dowie, um, the Dowie in your, in your hand missiles, I'm sure, and you can get it online really quite easily where, you know, like at uh, Divinum Officium, um, the wonderful website. But um, having the two can help you uh, drill into the readings a little more. And here, and it's interesting that in the Dawi and in the Latin, um, more accurately reflects what the Greek says here. Because this um, this response in the RSV, the way the response goes to Mary, our Lord's response to Mary, sounds a little bit, you know, kind of insulting and dismissive. But of course, it's not that, is it? I mean, it's unthinkable that it would be. So when he says woman or oh woman, that's not just 
that's not dismissive in any way. It, it, it's a, it, it looks back to the first woman who is Eve, and Our Lady is the second Eve, and it looks forward to what John will eventually see in the book of Revelation, of the woman clothed in the, clothed in the sun. And so it's, a, it's, a, it's like a, a, a magnificent title. It's beautiful. And what have you to do with me? That's not really what the Greek says. Uh, it's certainly not what the Latin says. It says, what is this to you and to me? What, what business is this lack of wine to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. Therefore, something having to do with his passion and his death has to do with wine, the presence of it or the lack of it. Well, if you think about then what is going to come in the future, at the Last Supper, there's another changing of a liquid to another liquid. If we have the changing of water to wine here at the Last Supper, we have the changing of wine into his own blood. And the importance of the wine there is second to none, because at this meal there is supposed to be four cups of wine at the Passover meal that they're celebrating. But the Lord leaves the last one, the fourth one, unconsumed. He does not drink the fourth cup. It says before they, they drink the fourth cup, they go out and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And by the way, that, that moment when they go out to the Garden of Gethsemane is the only moment in the Gospels in which we are told that the Lord sang. Now, I can imagine if they're at a wedding feast, they're probably singing, and the Lord is probably singing also at the wedding feast, as well as consuming wine. But he's probably singing, along with everybody else, the songs of joy that they sing at these wedding feasts. The wedding feasts would go on for days and days. But in, in the gospel passage about the Passion, before the Passion, when they're going to the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that they went out into the night singing psalms. And so they're all singing together. And it isn't until the Lord is on the cross, suffering and dying, that he, cons that he consumes the fourth cup. In other words, that, that, that acidy wine that they lift up to him with a hyssop and a sponge or whatever it is, however it is that they raised it up to him. And he tasted of it on the cross. And that was the closing of the Last Supper, and it was the consummation of his passion. At that point, he could give up his spirit and die. And, of course, come to rise again. So, the various aspects of this, you know, it's very important we have this, this uh, account at Cana. And even though it's a very brief passage in John, it's packed with all sorts of details. You know, the matter of the... Uh, the superabundance of the wine that he changes, for example, just for example, um, 180 gallons. You know, I mean, you can understand how if a wedding feast takes days and days, you know, it's possible to run out of wine. And uh, so here he, but here he, you know, 180 gallons is a lot of wine. So um, there we have a superabundance of wine. And of course, we know from the prophets that a superabundance of wine is a mark of the day of salvation when the Lord, when not just the Messiah, when God himself will come in the day of salvation and every tear will be washed, wiped away and 
death will be defeated and so forth. It's described as being a feast of wine. And so here we have the superabundance of wine. And uh, with, this, with this projection toward the cross. By the way, it says in here, John, after the end of this, uh, after this episode, he adds this parenthetical comment, which really isn't parenthetical at all. It's extremely important. He says this, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is the first of his signs. Um, the word for sign is semion. He could have used miracula, you know, miracle, you know, tauma, you know, he used, could have used some derivative of the word tauma, etc. But he didn't. He used a sign. And that connects the whole thing with prophecy. So it's not just a, it's not just a, a, a magnificent and wondrous thing that he does here. It's a, it's a deep, sig deeply significant indication of something having to do with the mission of the Lord, who he is and what he's here to do. And, and it says that he manifested his glory. Well, in the prologue of the Gospel of John, at the very end of it, you hear of John, the same John here, say that we have seen, we saw his glory. Well, the glory that, he's, that John is talking about is his passion and death on the cross. That's the glory. That's how the Lord manifested his glory. And here we have uh, John saying uh, that he manifested his glory in changing the water into wine. There are so many different things. Oh, yeah. Also, it was the, uh, it was the, the, the duty of the bridegroom, the duty of the groom, the man to be married, to supply the wine to the feast. Uh, but here, the Lord supplied the wine for the feast, thus demonstrating that he is the bridegroom. He is the, as the prophets call God himself, the divine bridegroom who wants to enter into a covenant with not only the people, but with every individual soul as the spouse with the bride. This is one of the reasons why the soul is, even uh, you know, the soul of men, women, doesn't make any difference. The human soul is referred to often in feminine terms that the Lord wants to have a, rela a nuptial relationship with, a bond that's so intimate, so giving. It's the, in, in a perfect, in perfect acts of self-giving, each to the other, that creates a beautiful um, covenantal, and nuptial relationship. Anyway, there are so many different things that we can use to unpack this, um, to uh, drill into this reading. But there is a takeaway that I want to give you here, and this is the response of the Lord uh, to his mother's request. The Lord responded with his mother's request. Even though he said, this is not my hour, he did something about what she asked. Our Lord responds to his mother. He doesn't deny her. When she makes a request, the Lord fulfills it. And this is part of her role as Queen of Heaven. And even now, where she is always near her son, asking him, interceding with him for us. So if we have great petitions, go to Mary. Take them to Mary and ask her. And I would say, especially for those of us who are, you know, deeply attached to the more traditional um, sacred worship, 
uh, in this time when we are under attack. Not just our rights are under attack. We are our rights. But we as, as people are being attacked. They are attacking us for who we are. They, it's not that they just don't like the rights. They don't like us. And so let us ask our Blessed Mother to intercede with our Lord to fill up our water jars, to fill up our big water jars, which are intended for purification. So go to confession and be purified in that way and ask our Lord then to change our water into wine, to change our lack into superabundance, to change the hearts of those who are set against that which is good, true, and beautiful in, in what it is that we desire and aspire to. So turn to Mary and ask her earnestly and repeatedly uh, to intercede uh, to bring uh, the proper balance back to um, especially uh, the hearts and minds of those shepherds out there who may not be treating their flocks in the, in the proper way.